Hello, welcome back to the Handsome Dan podcast. It has been a while. I promised I was going to do these once every two weeks and once a month. It's been over a month. A lot has happened. I'll tell you all about it. But right now, instead of going a bit hard, let's uh, go on a slow ride. Take it easy. Welcome back to the Handsome Dan Podcast. Sorry it's been a while, but uh, well, things have been happening. Uh, first of all, about a month ago, I'll tell you now, I had a car accident. I got uh, T-boned at a roundabout intersection and um, I got injured a little bit. My car got written off, so I've had to go and buy a new car. The insurance paid a bit of it, but it was still not enough. But got a little bit of a back and neck injury, a bit of a bit of whiplash you can say, well, not you can say, it is. So I've got constant soreness at the moment, and I just found it a little hard to concentrate. But today I just decided I'm going to plow on through because, hey, I've got new listeners here on the Handsome Dan podcast, especially through SoundCloud, so thank you very much. Um, I don't know, is SoundCloud, they're talking about it folding, which will be an absolute shame for everybody who puts music, voice stuff, anything on SoundCloud. So here's hoping that it doesn't, it doesn't go by the wayside, but if it does, look, this I, this podcast is available on Apple iTunes, and uh, I'm sure we'll try and find another um, format to put it on if SoundCloud does go under. I hope it does not, because um, I appreciate all the new people and putting a bit of a like on there and saying that they are enjoying the podcast. So thanks very much for that. So mainly I'm talking about movies, music, any other thing that sort of, does, sort of takes my fancy, so to speak, life all that sort of stuff. I even talk about a bit of meditation. I don't know if I'll talk about that today, though. Well, let's start off with the movies. Now, look, it's been a while, but Wonder Woman came out, and it was a film that my wife just absolutely had to go and see. I wanted to see it, too, and I was really surprised at how good it was. Look, I said before I was a bit off the superhero movies. I thought, oh, another one. But there was something about Wonder Woman that intrigued me. Um, More than anything, it was the choice of director, Patty Jenkins. She directed Monster back in 2003, which Charlize Theron won the Academy Award for her performance as Aileen Wuornos. And Patty hadn't done anything since, a bit of television here and there. So to give her the keys to a big-budget Hollywood blockbuster, especially like Wonder Woman, and really, as a father of daughters, Wonder Woman was an absolute joy to watch because here was a movie where there was an absolutely kick-ass female superhero what I really liked was the whole idea behind Wonder Woman was she stood up for what was good. She was all about doing the right thing. It wasn't pandering to let's just jump in there and kill everyone because that's what heroes do. You could see there was thought to what she had to do. Before Wonder Woman jumped in there, it was what are the consequences? What are the consequences of my actions here? And I absolutely loved it. I think Wonder Woman's going to be in the top 10 films of 2017. I think it's going to be a film that's going to be looked back on in years to come as as an important movie. I'm going to say it right here and now. I think Wonder Woman is an important movie. So, look, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. I know there's a lot of guys out there who are put off by it. I don't know why. Honestly, I, I don't know why men are feeling threatened right now. I know they're these men's rights action groups and I don't know I, I think men have had it too good for too long what, what do you feel you're missing out on where do you think 
you're losing in the current climate of the world. You know what I mean? I, I hear all this stuff at the moment about political correctness gone mad. And it annoys me. And I don't, never wanted to talk about this, but yeah, I'm on it now. So it annoys me. Because when you say political correctness gone mad, you're throwing everything under the umbrella of political correctness. Now, I think it's good. Political correctness is good because let's look at it. Let's come down to brass tacks. You shouldn't call people names based on gender, based on their sexuality, based on their race or anything like that. So that's that's a good thing of political correctness. So I don't understand how it's gone mad in that way. I uh, do believe in equality for people. So that's a good thing. I believe in a fair working environment. So if we didn't have political correctness, hell, kids would still be working in coal mines like they were in Victorian England. Like I think John Howard wanted them to do because, hey, they were the good old days and, you know, and slavery. You know, people used to own slaves. Political correctness saw that, hey, it's not good to own slaves. So I don't understand political correctness gone mad. I think it's a tool people are using to express frustration at something, but I think we need to come up with a, a better explanation than all this political correctness crap. There, I've said enough. Well, of course, Wonder Woman falls into that. There were women-only screenings. Okay, if they want to have women's-only screening of Wonder Woman, let it, let it go. Why does it bother people so much? Just let it go. Wonder Woman is a terrific film. Should be enjoyed by everybody. Let it be enjoyed by everybody. Who cares where you see it and how you see it and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I really loved it. I think a film can, once you sort of put a woman in a lead role like that and have a film that is very empowering for women, then there is the political side of it. But aside from that, it's a thoroughly enjoyable movie. I think an important film and one that I'm proud to let my children watch and I'm proud to have watched myself and I can't wait to see it again. I thought it was absolutely terrific. Now, I haven't seen anything else lately. Look, I'm looking forward. Baby Driver starts this week, and that's a movie that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I love Edgar Wright. I've loved his uh, the three films he made with Mick uh, Lickfrost and Simon Pegg, uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The Last One, The World's End. I loved Scott Pilgrim versus The World. It should have been a bigger success than it was. It is a film that has achieved a cult st cult following, I but I love Scott Pilgrim versus The World. I think it was probably my favorite film of 2010. So I'm really looking forward to watching Baby Driver. Looking at all the trailers and the previews and everything like that, I think we're all in for a little bit of a, a treat with uh, that movie there. Also, I want to go and see War for the Planet of the Apes because I just love the Planet of the Apes films. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, all terrific films. Andy Serkis gives a great performance as Caesar. Some people even mentioned he should have got Oscar nominations. Let's see what War of the War for the Planet of the Apes does. Uh, Matt Reeves directed it. Now he directed uh, ten, uh, not not ten Clover, Cloverfield, the original Cloverfield, which was okay. But he directed uh, Let Me In, which is a remake of the Swedish vampire film Let the Right One In. Both films were excellent. Let the Right One In, I still think, is one of the best vampire films I've ever seen. And I thought Let Me In was a really good remake of that. And he did Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I, I like Matt Reeves as a director, so. I'm looking forward to War for the Planet of the Apes. And um, yeah, look, I'll probably go and see Valerian and the City... Oh, I can't remember the full... Valerian, anyway, the new Luc Besson film. Uh, visually, it looks very, very spectacular. Whether it'll be a great story, I don't, I don't know. But look, The Fifth Element, which was the last real foray he did into sci-fi back in 97, 
is still a really popular movie. It's still a film that people really like, and it was really, really quite good and visually spectacular for its time. Even um, Chris Tucker's performance, weird, sometimes annoying, but uh, interesting to say the least. And so, yeah, Luke Besson's you new uh, Valerian and the City of Planets. That's what it is, Valerian and the City of Planets there. Let's get into some music right now. Now, the world of music doesn't stop regarding, especially in this era of downloads and everything like that, artists are still bringing out new music. And uh, look, the Foo Fighters. Look, some people think they're the, the they're this great rock band, and I think they are terrific. I don't think they're one of the great rock bands. However, their new song, Run, is, is, about, is really, really good and heavy, and I like it. So I, I'm all about the new Foo Fighters song. I can't wait to hear the new album, Concrete and Gold. And also, how can you do anything without talking about the new Arcade Fire stuff? Everything Now. What a terrific song. The new album is out in a matter of days. How can you say anything bad about the, the Arcade Fire? There's a great line in the last Tenacious D album, The Rise of the Phoenix, where they were talking about how good a band they could be. And uh, Kyle says to Jack Black, uh, what is good as the Arcade Fire? I think Jack Black said, no one could be as good as the Arcade Fire. It's <laughs> just a band that just, just brilliant. They, they, they had the, all the elements of great American classic rock, plus that indie sensibility. They create these great, beautiful anthems with great instrumentation, but they just remain so true to their indie roots. And The Suburbs, they're not their last album. The album before won the Grammy for Album of the Year. Didn't even win Independent Album of the Year. Won no other awards at ceremony yet wins album of the year. And apparently, like, there were websites going up around or the memes saying, who, who the fuck are the Arcade Fire? Pardon my language there. I don't really like to swear, even though I've got an explicit on this uh, podcast, just in case I do drop the, the occasional F-bomb there. But there you go. The Arcade Fire, if you're not into them, get into the Arcade Fire. Their album Funeral and their song Rise Up are oh, just, just brilliant beautiful stuff you would have heard the song when you hear it you go oh, i know that one i've heard that in lots of trailers and other things before so yeah make sure you check out the new arcade fire stuff also the old man the cranky old man of music roger waters 73 years old he's brought out his first album in 25 years the last album he brought out was amused to death in 1992 now he's brought out is this the life we really want now look roger i think doesn't have the voice he used to. Hey, look, he's 73. He doesn't have the same um, same timbre to his voice. However, he's still trying to push buttons. He's still singing politically and very, very angsty for an old man. And his latest shows, he's been touring America on his Us and Them tour. And uh, he's been upsetting all the Donald Trump fans because he's been putting videos up of Donald Trump. And um, he's been openly critical. And hey, look, there's a lot of Americans who did vote for Donald Trump. But there's a lot of people, this is, this is another thing that I find confusing, is all these diehard Pink Floyd fans who can't understand how Roger Waters is so political. If you think you're a Pink Floyd fan and you didn't realize Roger Waters was political, you're not a Pink Floyd fan. You're a casual listener. All right? If, you, if you're a real Pink Floyd fan, if you know that Roger, he has bile, he has ire, and he's put it in his songs right from, oh, say, Wish You Were Here, into Animals, 1977. That was when he really, really sort of expressed the bile and the anger. And uh, if, you, if you can't figure that one out, if you just think Pink Floyd's all dark side of the moon, wish you were here, then um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're missing the point.
point, I suppose. But there's always room for casual fans, for any artist. But nowadays, as we're getting into, especially when our favorite artists are getting older, uh, we do look at the They are going for the more deep fan because they've toured for so long. We've heard all the hits. So every time they come around, they've got to give us something a little different. Bruce Springsteen has made a real career out of doing that now, that he just does his shows. Yes, he's got plays the hits, but he also knows that there's the fans out there who love the deep album cuts, like me. And if he doesn't, and every time I've seen him, he's only ever played Racing in the Street once, and it's the greatest song ever recorded, but I don't hold that against Bruce Springsteen in the slightest. No, I don't. So yeah, these artists, they're, they're just got to try and appease all the fans because touring is where their money is now. It's not going to be in album sales anymore. And speaking of stuff with album sales, Lord, Lord's brand new album, Melodrama. I really, really like it. She is a talent. Lord is an absolute talent. Pure Heroin was a pretty cool album, but I really do like this new one, Melodrama. I like the lead-off single, Greenlight. And um, yeah, there's a heap of other tracks on the album as well that I really, really, really do like. So yeah, if you really like it, check out Lord's new album as well. And also, The Mighty King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. That's right, the Australian band from Melbourne, who are just releasing an album every... Um, they're probably release, recording and releasing an album as I'm doing this podcast, and they're probably doing that quicker than I'm bringing these podcasts out. Their new album, Murder of the Universe. Uh, it's typical King Gizzard, what can I say? I don't think it's as good as the Nonagon Infinity album, which came out last year, which I think is probably one of their best records. But there's a lot to like to it, lots of spoken word stuff, because it's telling a future, two futuristic stories on the album. And I like the second story, the one with about the um, the cyborg, the confused cyborg. That's probably my pick of it more than the altered beast side of the story of King Gizzard. But hey, if you're a King Gizzard fan, you're going to like it. If you've never heard it before, check it out. But I tell you, if, you, if you're sort of thinking, where do I get into King Gizzard? That was a good question for me. I literally just went to the library and got all their CDs. Uh, but um, a good one to start is... Float Along, Fill Your Lungs, or the album Nonagon Infinity. There, That's the best way to get into King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And uh, yeah, so I'm just looking forward to those ones, but especially Arcade Fire. Their new album is something that I am just really, really, really looking forward to. I'm, look, I'm doing a bit of a, a shorter podcast here. I'm just getting back into the swing of it. I will bring out another one much sooner, much, 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 much sooner than expected because, hey, the most recent film I'm talking about is Wonder Woman. I've got a lot to catch up on here. But look, I'm going to get into more books because I am writing. That's what I'm doing right at this point in time. I'm writing two books and I'm actually writing a stage play. I've written another stage play that I did for university and it was pretty good. And I'm actually getting it performed in September. And I'll tell you more about that uh, in more coming podcasts. But it's, it's a real thing now that I can actually now put down, you know, Dan Brixey, writer, playwright. So there's David Williamson, Michael Gow, Nick Enright, uh, Andrew Bovell, um, Andrew Upton. Uh, there's a few others. And then down the line there, you know, uh, Louis Nara. And then there'll be me somewhere as a playwright. And I'll be able to go, yes, that's me. But it's just one of the things of getting yourself out there. If you are writing you're a creative person. It's just one of those things of getting it out there. And once I wrote the play, all all I did was just, I approached friends of mine who are actors and just said, what do you think? And they liked it themselves. And then I just approached a theatre group, like an amateur theatre group and said, uh, I've got this original work. Can we put it on? 
would you like to put it on as a one-act play? And they came back to me and said, yes, we will. That's pretty good. So they do like original work, and obviously it's good enough to be performed. Now I've got to direct it. I've never done it before. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> but as a writer, I'm, I'm making a point of writing every day, and it's like an exercise. And we, if you're doing anything creative with your music or, say, podcasts or writing or anything, it's just about getting something done every day. I made a point of trying to write 500 words a day. It doesn't always happen. Life does get in the way, but I it's I have to literally force myself every morning to sit here at the computer at my desk with uh, my iPad, with my computer, with a pen and pad, and I force myself to write something, anything, whether it's contributing to either of the either of the works I'm doing or it's a side thing like an article I'm writing or even just a, a long post on social media. I just make a point of writing something. It is an exercise. Also, what is an exercise is reading. As a writer, you've got to read a lot more. So I want to talk about a bit about the books I'm reading. Now, I've just finished Vladimir Nabokov's classic Lolita. I never read it before. I've always wanted to read it. If you are not familiar with um, with Lolita, uh, it's, a very, it's considered one of the greatest books ever written. And it is about an older man's relationship with a... 12-year-old girl. Now, that sounds really insidious. And when you say it out loud, you just think, oh, boy. It is a beautifully written book. It's not salacious in any way. However, what it is is because the book is told from the man's point of view. He is the narrator. Humbert Humbert is his name. You see that this man is quite a despicable human being. And that's a good thing that you can sit there and read this book, read everything from this man's point of view, and he, he goes through all the emotions, heartbreak, everything like that, because it's ultimately a very sad story. And you do not like this guy, but you can't stop reading it. You want to keep reading it, because you just want to see where this will end up, how everything affects everybody, how someone's selfishness affects everybody around them. And it's in a work that can be applauded, the greatest book I've ever read, but geez, I'm glad I read it. I do try to read the classics. Some of them are harder to read than others, but the big ones I do try and read. So I've got Lolita out of the way. I can, I'm reading also Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, and uh, that Russian literature is pretty intense because, see, back in those days, they didn't have television, they didn't have radio, they had newspapers, and what they did when they were writing their novels was they described everything that they were doing. So you, like Charles Dickens did with his books, the Russian writers did the same thing, which is really kind of cool in a way because then you get a really good idea of what pre-revolutionary Russia was like to live in and what the people were like and what they did during their days and everything like that. Now, this brings me to, I suppose, a new point here with Facebook. Uh, see, the ancient Greeks documented everything they did. They're just basic stuff. They kept diaries of everything, just what they ate for dinner which is what we're doing now as a society with Instagram and Facebook. We're documenting our lives, like that or not, I suppose. But I suppose in, years, in hundreds of years to come, when they're investigating our, our race and pre-20, well, in early 21st century, they'll say, well, this is what they're into. This is the music they're into. Or they'll listen to the Handsome Dan podcast. Let's have a listen. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably sit there and go, okay, he talked about movies. What's Wonder Woman? That sort of thing. What is a Roger Waters? We don't know. 
I'm digressing. I'm currently reading a um, a crime novel, an Irish crime novel by our writer Adrian McKinty. He's based in Melbourne, but it's set in Belfast in 1980. It's a murder investigation in the middle of the Troubles. And the best crime books are the ones that give you a real sense of place. Once I like Peter Temple. He's an Australian writer. He's one of my favourites. All his books are set in Melbourne. And it really, Melbourne is a character in his books. And very much so with this book. It's called In the Cold, Cold Ground. And it's very much, Belfast is a character. And it's given me a lot to think about with what I'm writing about and the locations and where I'm going to be setting a lot of my stuff. And I've got a very good idea reading these crime novels. And, and it does, it gives you a really good sense of place. And I think they're the best books ones that take you to an actual place. Anyway, that's it for me here on the Handsome Dan podcast. I will hope to see you again sooner rather than later. Thanks for listening on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes. Please leave a review or say you like it or something like that. Tell your friends because I say it doesn't go too long and he just talks about stuff and it's pretty cool. It's got a nice voice, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, we'll talk more about movies, music coming up, things that I'm reading, writing, all that sort of stuff. Until then, bye for now.